high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Oh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Well, on Walkback, Saxon Jacks, I'm Tom we have Matt, Matt on the board. We have Greg Pappas in the studio. We might have Kevin calling in to talk about the Cody Bellinger signing. All kinds of stuff going this morning. we got John Flanagan. And then we have Nancy Longgram calling in and talking about We haven't seen her in a while. With the uh, Every Monday seems like it's been off this year. Uh, last week we were um, President's Day. So we'll have Nancy on today. We'll find out what's going on in the mortgage world. Uh, Greg, we have uh, S&P Futures. Down 350, Nasdaq futures down 10 and a quarter. It seems like the market keeps wanting to uh, go up. It's the NVIDIA world. Oh, NVIDIA actually closed on Friday under uh, 800 hours, 793 or 788. Of course, it's up 560 again today. I don't know. Have you ever seen that much one stock? Is this uh, is AI bigger than the cloud, bigger than China, bigger than uh, the party continues? Com? Yeah, the party continues. Should be a blast. Um, yeah, we, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of really something. I mean, we're at, we're at PE ratios of the of the top. We have uh, Fed. Matter of fact, it'd be interesting this week if we haven't already got it. I will look to see here. But uh, uh, we had uh, one of my uh, Mike uh, Mike Murphy was on on Friday talking with Kevin, talking about the stuff in the Red Sea and the supply chains and all that kind of stuff for the um, military things and how complicated that is. I mean, he and he and Lou have been terrific talking about this because it's not something a regular citizen normally would think about, but yet it's there, and it's money, and it's stuff we didn't plan to spend. You know, five years ago we surely didn't, or maybe six months ago we did, but five years ago we didn't. And it's been it's all real interesting, and Mike was saying, how is it we have, the government's got all this debt, we've got, there's actually some corporate debt out there as well, uh, a lot of it's at smaller, uh, uh, lower interest rates, but Consumer debt is to the to the moon, basically. Um, we have margin debt on stocks almost. It's up to what seven oh seven billion dollars or something. It's not it's not quite at a high. It might be seven oh one. The high was seven oh nine like a year and a half ago. But it's it's pushing that. Uh, we have stocks that are all over the place. Uh, this SMCI. I don't know if you're watching this thing at all. Stock has gone up. Um, the other day it was up thirty percent. And and Carl was saying the company's been around a while. It's not like they're a you know, a, one of those meme stocks or anything. He goes, they have really good stuff. They've been here forever. And he doesn't understand why all of a sudden it's 10, 15, 20, 30% a day the thing's up and down. Is that market fabric or what, what is that? I mean, is it just all of a sudden Someone's people start buying? It's, it's momentum trading. Everybody gets out of the way. I mean, how does it, is, it, is it the market causing the, or the market fabric, meaning uh, 
lack of bids and offers being registered, uh, not very many market makers. I mean, what what is it that all of a sudden is causing, not all of a sudden, but it's it's been there for a while, these extreme moves. We've seen it on the earnings plays as well. I mean, you and I do a lot of those. I mean, me for clients and you sometimes for yourself. And yet there's been two, three, four times straddles, which is really unheard of. But yet it happens... Once a day or twice a day now it seems is it w- yeah at price extremes you know you want you want to make sure that you're not too exposed on both both ways and sometimes those straddles meaning the total price movement of you know the expected price movement is <laughs> it's like I don't know it's supposed to be four or five percent and all of a sudden the stock moves ten or fifteen or, or twenty 15, yeah or what, what was the SMCI or it just makes me nervous when the market is, and I use the term right most of the time. When I say right most of the time, uh, you the know. market just is. People are right and wrong. Um, what what's it called? Berkshire had announced that they have no possibility of uh, eye popping performance or whatever the quote was. He he said in his letter that if you're looking for outperformance the next couple of years, you know I don't know how to do it, so don't expect much. <laughs> right, so if he doesn't want to do it, why does twenty percent? So why does he give people their money back for some of it? Uh, they, I didn't see the buybacks, but no, I'm talking about through a dividend. Yeah, they'll they'll never do that as long as he's alive. Um, why? I think they don't like being double taxed, and he's he wants the earnings to do what he wants instead of giving it back, but. They said, yeah, no possibility of eye-popping performance. And also, I, I think their operating earnings, which they like to talk about, was like $35 billion. And they've got they've got uh, three or no four times that in cash on the balance sheet. So more than uh, 15% or so. I think about 18 to 20% of their entire uh, market cap is in cash equivalents on in Berkshire accounts. So like if they're worth nine hundred billion dollars in market cap, you know, they've got a hundred eighty in cash just sitting there. Um do you probably, think, you know, short term. Do you think we we double tax because uh this is more of a policy question. Do you think we double tax because we want the money or we think it's a good idea or we th- we do it just to give big firms an excuse to not send money to people. I have no doubt in my mind that the government wants the cash. But they don't get the cash. Well, they don't get it, but when people you know need to sell it, then they do get it. No, I'm talking about dividends. Why Why is one of the dumbest things since I've been in the Well, they know business. that some people want cash, so they're going to pay out dividends, and they want it. Um, I I think it has to do. Maybe I'm getting more conspiratorial. Most of your executives, and this was one of the hardest things. And you know, like Kevin was going to pine in at some point here, maybe in the Cody Bollinger thing. If he wants to talk about this as well, one of the one of the uh, most difficult things to do. You think it isn't? You think anybody anybody could do it in this day and age now? Or anybody can do anything, right? Even though they don't do crap, <laughs> anybody can do anything. Anybody can play quarterback. Anybody can be president, right? Uh, most difficult thing to do is is design a compensation package. It's to be the Bears GM. Uh, 
Why? You get a lot of money, and so what if you screw up? Who cares? It's a football <laughs> game. <laughs> no, I was thinking you have to deal with the McCaskies. Um, as long as they make money, they don't care. Oh. What makes you think they care if they win? I mean, they'd like to, but... I mean, it's all right, boys. Good morning. I got to jump in on this one. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to work. For it's them. it's, it's not so bad having a boss who needs management lessons, as long as that boss knows he need he or she needs management lessons. But when they think they know what they're doing and they have no clue, it's a miserable existence. Well, yeah. Except your your the the background in which you're in, the cartel in which you're in, you can't screw up. In terms of making money for the place, I understand. Anyway, Kevin, where we? But you know what? I, I mean, there there is a point, and I know you know everybody's got their different line that they draw, but there does need to be a point where you say it's not worth it. You know, it's it, this is. It, it, I I don't care how much you pay me. You can't pay me enough to be miserable every day of my life. Who's miserable? I don't know. I've been there. Anybody, oh, saying, anybody who's been you think, on the Bears... Do you think big. any of the McCaskies are miserable? I think if you're a winner and you're on the Bears, you're miserable. I'm, I'm talking about the, the family. Well, I don't know, because I, I don't have a, a, a sense of Kevin Warren, and I do think Kevin Warren is running the show now. So uh, I don't really have a good sense of what, he's, what working for him is like. Um, he certainly has an impressive track record as, uh, as an administrator, um, with other teams as well as, as commissioner of the Big Ten. Um, so it might not be so bad now. But as a general rule, to just say, well, you're making money and you can screw up. Eh, you know what? If, if you've got to go someplace 40 hours a week or more and it really sucks to be there, that gets really old really fast. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with that. What I'm saying is they, they had somebody who was spectacular at that and they couldn't wait to get rid of him, meaning Jim Finks. Right, you mean they, could, they couldn't wait to get rid of him? <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, the, the idea that he was getting the accolades or too much power or they actually gave him a piece of the team or whatever the hell it was, uh, you know, they couldn't wait to buy the guy out. But it's a long time ago, but, I mean, the people haven't changed. Yeah, I don't remember the circumstances of the departure. I, I don't think couldn't wait is, the, uh, is exactly right. Uh, may, maybe, uh, you know, the, I mean, the old man hired him, uh, George Hallis hired him. Maybe uh, you know, maybe the next generation, once Hallis was gone, uh, didn't feel the same way. But uh, but I don't know. I remember Michael McCaskey basking in the glow of a Super Bowl championship, even though. Oh, I, I think they'd be absolutely much rather win. I mean, Virginia like would love to be sitting at the skybox of the Super Bowl game. I assume everyone would. But well, I don't. Re- I don't really remember any animosity with Finks. Um, it was a long time ago. So a long time ago, was, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just my ancient memory. Anyway, can we get back to what, what we were talking about? Designing a plan for uh, co- executive compensation at the highest level is very difficult to do. I mean, we, we, we had a class in the University of Chicago, and we did that for maybe three, four weeks. That was that was the topic of the class, which is a long time in grad school, two days a week. I mean, you cover stuff pretty damn fast. And uh, and people would, would, they would ask people to design something, and all of a sudden guys would, Come up, guys and ladies would come up with their plan in front of the rest of the class, and everybody's going. Eh, eh. It was like the Gong Show, but it, but we've we've settled into this. Um, everybody participating in stock options, not necessarily stock, but stock options. In which case, 
you don't really lose if it goes down, but you make a ton if it goes up. And the you know, and the 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 thing that is anti total contrarian to that is paying a dividend. Because I mean, if if for those that I'm sure most of the listeners know, but for those that don't, if I have a stock that's trading a hundred and I pay a two dollar dividend, the next day, of course, the market could open anywhere it wants, but the hundred dollars is equivalent to ninety eight. So the stock will move from ninety eight up or down. It could go right back to hundred. It could go back to one hundred and ten once the market opens. But the point being is, the stock is now worth ninety eight because two dollars a share that used to be in the company is now coming to you via via check. So if you have a if you have a hundred and a bonus or a bonus a, a stock option at a strike price at one hundred and ten, and one of us were to walk in and say, you know, I think it's a good idea to pay a, a two dollar dividend to our shareholders. We basically lit off a stink bomb in the boardroom. I mean, that, that that dog will not hunt. What are you talking about? My my strike price is 110. It will never get there if we pay dividends. So yes, the double taxation is a problem, but it's also a big problem because of the, the you know the, the the holy grail today of of management compensation are stock options, and they're totally anti-dividend. So somehow, some way, if you want the judgment to be made as to whether you should pay a dividend and the judgment really ought to be the formula does not change from when I was in grad school if you are reaching the point where you cannot uh, have a better return on your next investment than you think your shareholder can on his own in other words you've got 15 good projects and the rest of them aren't very good and you still got money left over some people might say why don't you give the money to people and let them do the rest of it do the rest with what they, what they want now, granted, you've got a double taxation problem in there, but still, some companies do stuff. I mean, matter of fact, one guy, I mean, uh, Greg brought up, um, what's his name, Warren Buffett. One guy, several years ago, sold out of his Warren Buffett stock, Berkshire Hathaway. And they asked him, why would you, God, why would you sell out of Warren stock? And he goes, I, I, I trust him when the markets are bad or where, where the economy is bad to be able to buy into a place at $70 where I would have to pay 85 because they have some trouble, they have this, that, and the other thing. So I don't need him to pay 200 for a company that was trading 175 yesterday. I could have bought that myself at 175 I don't need him to do that. You know, just because he doesn't want to give anybody else any money. You know, it's, a, it's all point of view, Kevin. What I'm saying, the structure is what's causing the policy. It's the tax structure and it's the, bon- and it's the compensation policy. That shouldn't really be driving it in, a, in, a, in my kind of world, but it is, right? Yeah, it, it is, and, you know, the tax structure uh, has a very limited ability to affect it other than to try and figure out how to get around it. Um, but then when you start looking at con- compensation, the other part of it is that every time you do something that you think has an incentive, there's going to come along with it a perverse incentive. Oh, sure. And, you know, ju- just something, and people are smart. They figure out what's in their best interest, and it would be nice if, you know, at, at, your, at your best ethical core, that you, a CEO could take a look at it and say, well, I know that's better for me, but uh, what's best for the company and the shareholders? And if they're ever at odds, I'll choose the company and the shareholders. And I know there are people who do that, um, but, uh, but there are also people who don't. What about, what about employees? If, if, I, if I get into the company, I get a, I get a bonus at or my compensation strike is 110 and the stock's trading 100. I know places, I mean, <laughs> one of them here being the Board of Trade. 
The guy spent 90% of his time trying to find a buyer at 150 so he could make all his dough and be out of there. I don't know if that's what you want the guy to do, but that's what some people have done right here across the street. Right, right, Greg? I'd rather throw a viper down my shirt than hire a compensation consultant. That was <laughs> Charlie Munger said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so, Kevin, what is what is the Cody Bellinger deal? First explain it and, and, and uh, tell us how – what does that mean about the state of baseball and free agency? And I think you and I talked a little bit yesterday. I think Scott Boris laid an egg on this, but go ahead. You go first. Well, I, I do too, uh, because Scott Boris was probably looking for at least six years for Bellinger. He wound up getting three from the Cubs uh, in exchange for the shorter term. He did. Uh, Bellinger does have the right to opt out after each year of the contract. So, um, uh, so. Uh, you know, it's it's thirty million year one, thirty million year two, twenty million year three, uh, and and then there can be uh, an opt out after each year. So it's good it's good news for the Cubs either way, um, unless he's just terrible, uh, and then they're saddled with a three year contract for a lot of money. Yeah, but it's uh, not it's not six, it's but, but it's not six. And and if he has a great season this year and says, okay, I'm going to opt out and hit the market again. Um, you would say uh, that would be because he had a really terrific season. Um, so uh, you know, so so that's not so bad. Um, but Boris, so Boris has done that. Boris has uh, he, he also has um, Blake Snell still still not signed. Jordan Montgomery from the Rangers still not signed. Matt Chapman from uh, Oakland still not signed. These guys. You know, I'm looking at a ranking of free agents right now. Bellinger was the third, number three. Chapman, number four. Snell, number six. Um, and Montgomery, number ten, of ranking of all the free agents uh, this fall. And uh, Boris has been holding out for long-term contracts. Uh, uh, reportedly, he turned down um, a, uh, uh, for Snell a six-year, $150 million contract. Uh, that the Yankees offered, and you know, all the others are sitting out there. So it it's sort of I I don't know how much of this is backlash against Boris, except that Bor uh, as much as Boris's approach is not recognizing the realities of the market, um, and the realities of the market are people are starting to figure out um, is you know what what did I say uh, to you yesterday is is Cody Bellinger worth some wins for the uh, for the Cubs, absolutely, he might make them the uh, you know he might be the difference between being um, a, a, a above five hundred team and being the div uh, division winner. And it, so now you say, well, is that worth thirty million? And what's my alternative? Well, is my alternative putting Michael Bush over there, um, who who may be their third baseman now, but uh, uh, the, the prospect they got from the Dodgers, um, and what am I going to pay him? And if I'm going to pay him because he's uh, uh, you know, in the first three years of uh, playing in the majors, I'm going to pay him something like four, five, six hundred thousand, whatever they pay him. Uh, is is Cody Bellinger now worth, you know, uh, twenty nine million more? <laughs> and and I I don't think that uh, you know it may be that Boris isn't recognizing that reality, or that Matt Chapman, uh, you know, I mean Bellinger's still a young guy, he's still twenty eight. Matt Chapman. At age thirty, you know, how are you going to get him a six-year deal? I don't think so. Well, look at how much they they well they stuck. I mean, I mean, uh, the guy from St. Louis, one of the probably the 
best ball player of the last 20 years. Oh, Albert Pujols. I mean, he he was absolutely not worth the dollar that the Angels paid him. No, I mean, he was he was a very good for the first years of the contract, and he was a drag on their payroll for the final years of this contract. Well, I have one, uh, a key question for, as we say in the South Side, the Bodie dudes. Um, before you, three, three years, I mean, just in terms of the longevity, it's like what Dan and I always talk about on the show right now. If you don't know where the interest rates are going and you can get, you know, five and a quarter for six months, just do it, right? Because when you start talking about a, a 10-year prediction or eight-year prediction, they're a little hard to come by, you know. Uh, but I'm going to say that if I'm the head of any one of these teams and everybody thinks, you know, sports guys, which which you are, Kevin, uh Everybody's going to say, well, this is between Scott Boris and the Cubs. But I'm going to say if I'm running the Cubs or any other place, and I'm sure uh, Ricketts is smart enough to do this, uh, hey, before we go out, do whatever you want for a year or two or three. We know what our revenue is. We know what our stuff. And as long as we're on the plus side of this and we can maybe win something and get some money that way by having a couple of home games in the playoffs and so forth, um, I'll roll with you. I mean, I'm sure they're going to make money because Ricketts always makes money. It's his, his family. It's the way they are. Uh, and I, that's not a bad thing, by the way. Uh, but before I do something for eight years where I'm paying some guy, you know, $30 million, $35, we're going to pay him 50 or 60 eight years from now, I better have, you know, and this is no, no, no shot in economists, I better have four or five guys that really know the future, if you can find anybody like that, uh, or ladies. I want to know what the world is going to friggin' look like in, in 2031 before I commit to paying anybody $50 million six years from now. And I don't, I don't know what that report comes back to say, Kevin, because you're, you're talking about on a scale of, let's, let's, let's say the ball players on a scale of 1 to 10, and Greg, feel free to opine, uh, we think Cody Bellinger, last year, he's an eight, eight and a half. He's not a ten. He's not Babe Ruth. He's not Willie Mays, but he's pretty friggin' up there. And uh, plus, he can play two positions and, you know, barring injury, which yeah, can happen to anybody, uh, he, that's where he is. Right? So tell me six years from now where he's no longer an eight or eight and a half and he's a five and a half, six. He's still a solid ball player. Tell me what the average six on a scale of one to ten guys going to be making six years from now. Now that, now that breaks into baseball revenue. It breaks into ticket prices. It breaks into TV stuff. It breaks into the economy. It breaks into, are we going to be in an all war with somebody? Are these people going to be in the army? I mean, I hope not. Uh, I mean, But all of a sudden, this gets really hard to do, I think. Yeah. I think that's just uh, the market. Well, yeah. yeah. Who, who's good at looking seven years out? You tell me that person, and, and we'll be in, we'll be in great shape. And I go back to the uh, uh, Soriano contract. The guy had a, a very nice career with the Cubs, and he degraded as you would expect somebody with age. But his last year, he was still a pretty good ball player. I just think the Cubs, like a lot of teams back then, overshot the mark. They thought that eight years from now, uh, an average outfielder would be making eight million dollars. And it turned out eight millions later, an average outfielder was making three. So everybody, the fans, all thought, "Oh man, we could use this five mil somewhere else." So he's the bleep. Well, no, he wasn't. I mean, you know, I mean, am I right or wrong? I mean, he 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 did everything. I mean, I'm saying, you know, he wasn't Willie Mays for eight years, but he was a he was a 
seven, seven and a half, six, six and a half, five, and, and you know, as as he aged, and he he never embarrassed the Cubs. He never didn't hustle. He never didn't show up. He he was fine. He just his contract, I think, anticipated a future that didn't happen. Or tell me I'm wrong. Well, no, I'll tell you you're wrong if you want me to. But you know, in, in the case of Soriano, he he wasn't a bad guy. He didn't not try or anything like that. Soriano's problem was he was just a totally undisciplined hitter. He was never worth the money in the first place. Right, day. but I'm saying he. But but that that that's beside the point. That he he also was in eight years of not worth the money. He could have been he could have been eh, somewhat worth it in the first two or three. But uh, after like which is the point you're trying to make. Um, you know that that what you spend in those early years, you're going to pay for. You're going to pay for it in the out years, and if you're willing to do that, if that's if that what it's what if that's what it takes for it to get a guy who puts you in the World Series, okay, he's not. He wasn't that guy. No, but but it also was. By the time his eight years were up, there almost was, I won't say no, but very little appreciation in in salaries during that eight year time frame. Which is totally different than the Cubs expected, or anybody yeah, did. I get you. I get you. Yep. You, you thought he'd be a bargain at the end of it. I think. I think they, uh, the Angels probably felt the same way about Pujols. Yeah, and and, and, and I'm saying now. Like, so, so what if I'm paying him a lot of money in the end? Everybody's paying, getting paid a lot of money. And now all of a sudden, the question is, if we were that guy uh, or person that says, "Okay, Kevin. Okay, Greg. Okay, Matt. Matt Byrne on the board. What you tell me." What the economies look like seven years from now? What is an what is an average outfielder going to be making? And if the answer is twenty, I mean the, the perfect example. I don't example, think he's the average. They paid him, or they they paid him to be, you know, the leader, the guy. I'm saying, but as as he degrades uh, down, yeah. But I'm saying as he degrades down, you're also going to expect the price of outfielders to go up. So every year, in other words, like so, you're paying him thirty million to be an eight, okay. Now, two years from now, he's going to be a 7. Or maybe not at 29. He can actually be better. But say two years from now, he's going to be a 7. The other side of the coin is a 7 outfielder is now going to be making $30 million. Right, Kevin? You want, you want well, to have yeah, a... Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I want to get more granular, though, about, um, uh, about this particular signing. Because if you look at it from the Cubs' standpoint, I think it's really excellent. Because when when you consider who their their top prospects are right now, that you have a center fielder in Pete Crow Armstrong, you have uh, another outfielder who can pl- also plays first base in Owen Casey, um, and um, and you, you look that they have other outfielders on the team now that are pretty good, and so on. That you you have a guy who if he if he's outstanding you're going to be in the playoffs this year and that's that's important for if you if you want to build a perennial contender and then if he opts out he opts out and if you don't sign him you don't sign him because now maybe your prospects are ready to step in there michael bush would be the other one the guy they acquired from the dodgers uh via trade or uh, over in the offseason you know these guys are highly regarded prospects who could very well stand in there and fill that role and so you know you're looking at uh, at Bellinger, at worst, he's a bridge to your next generation. At best, he's a key part of success over the next three years. The, uh, yeah. we have to yeah. we've got a break here, Kevin. I'm going to question it. Nobody, nobody's axing. Uh, you think if Pete Crow Armstrong uh, grows up 
fast that all of a sudden uh, you're going to move one of your corner outfitters to move Bellinger over there? No, I think Bellinger will play first base. All right, but I'm not. I guess how sold are we on on Suzuki and Lee Ian Happ? Uh, I I think they're both solid. That you know they're both um, uh, Happ is a, a MLB Gold Glove winner. Uh, and Suzuki is a guy who won the gold glove equivalent in Japan, so he's an excellent outfielder as well. So I don't think they feel compelled to replace them, but they could. They could wind up being guys that uh, that move along at some point, and then, yeah, if you want to play Bellinger in right field, you could do it. Um, but, they, you know, again, they have, they have guys, you know, in their minor league system that also play those positions. So... Yeah, I don't know that those guys are going to be here three, four years from now, but they, you know, they're going to be here next year, and they'll probably be here the year after that. You know, I, uh, I've always been an Ian Happ fan. I don't know, Kevin. I mean, I don't, I don't watch all these other players, but I never, th- I never thought he would pop up with a Gold Glove. I thought he was a, you know, a pretty good outfielder. I never thought he was Gold Glove. Did you? Uh, I, I didn't, especially because he came to the uh, Cubs as an infielder. So, uh, so it, it, that that speaks highly of him. Where, you know where where those guys when you when you ask about those guys the the big deal is neither one of them is a great power hitter they have some power but they're not really power hitters and out of your corner outfielders you like to get a little more power out of them at least out of one of them so you know that may that may change the uh, um, the equation for the uh, for the Cubs and how they look at this long term. I would. But the only thing I'll say is their worst their worst cases they're solid with those guys. The only thing I'll say about that, Kevin, we we definitely will go to break is. I think one of the one of the issues, and again, as a Cub fan forever, uh, I don't know why I was coming from the South Side, but because my uncles were, I blame them. Um, I think the single, well, other than maybe some of the ownership, but the biggest screw up the Cubs have made in the in the many many years I've been watching these guys is they they assume they need a slugging team in that ballpark, and it's absolutely the opposite. They they yeah. it's absolutely the opposite. Because the day when the wind's blowing out. You and I can Greg and Greg can hit a home run. The day when it's going, going and it's probably fifty-fifty. The days it's blowing in, you need a. It's a speed park. It's a defense park, and they always have had a bunch of sluggers, and it, it's it didn't really work out for them. And they, every year, every time they had speed, every time they had Sandberg and Denier, any time they had, uh, it was the rookie that played center field in '89. Every time they've had a speed team, they've done well. You think it's Jerome Walton? Yeah, they they have constructed their team with more speed, more contact, all of those kinds of things now. And and you're right, not only not only did they construct a team that wasn't good in their ballpark for a lot of uh, a lot of the time, but also they opposed the designated hitter when they'd have a team with five designated hitters on it. Oh yeah, well the Sox same way, but the Sox have always had a designated hitter. Anyway, Kevin, thank you. Talk to you on Wednesday. Let's be yeah. down three Nancy Vegas down seventy five cents. Be right back with Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas. 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. CognosHR. Innovation and Human Resources. Licensed in Illinois and Hello, Arizona. this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do at PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Welcome to Big Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. We have Greg Pappas in studio. We have Matt Byrne on the board. We have Mr. Flanagan coming in here. And all of a sudden, whatever our producer did, I'm hearing myself loud and clear to the point where I'm turning myself down. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Fortunately, we have we have controls all over the place in the studio, but Matt is the man. He uh, does a nice job over there. Oh, thanks, thanks. Um, like I said, SP Futures down 4, Nasdaq Futures down 650, Dow Futures down 41. I'm not seeing any... We got Nvidia up seven bucks. I imagine that uh, it was up every day. Actually, it was uh, what did it trade? Uh, Greg eight oh five or something on Friday closed around uh, seven eighty eight. Now it's back up seven ninety five. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX up fourteen. Um, call it almost flat point one percent. FTSE down twenty three point three percent. CAC around down twenty five point three percent. So kind of a mixed bag over there. Asia, the Nikkei was closed on Friday. 
Today they are open up on 135. That's 0.4%. 39,230. Uh, all-time highs again. Where's that rate of coolage going here? Uh, we're on an all-time high. Hang Seng down 91.5%. 16,634. So way above the 15 handle. It was hanging in there for a while. Shanghai, however, down 27. Back under 3,000. 29.77. Uh, Friday is a way of review. That was up 62 S&P, up 1 NASDAQ, down 44. So kind of a, a mixed. Friday was the, Greg, would you say Friday was, if you were to describe a, a normal day after a big move, wasn't it Friday? Chop, just, chop, just chop, 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 just mm-hmm. another day. Uh, bonds, uh, down 2 basis points, 4.24. The bond up 2 basis points, 2.38. Japan down 2 basis points, 0.69. We have oil, uh, down 42 cents, 76.07. So I'm thinking maybe we have a new range here, 72 to 78. Uh, I don't know if it's it broke out of the old range, but it doesn't look like it's heading to 100 running anytime soon. Uh, Brent down 47 cents, 81.15. Natural gas up 6 cents, 167. Our above them changed 227. The U.S. dollar is up, uh, uh, eh, not really, 108, 108.5. So right at the same spot for the euro. A British pound, same thing, 126.8, 126.9, somewhere in there. Uh, so that hasn't not moved either. Gold uh, down 720, 2042 is it's kind of locked between 2030 and 2050. Not looking like it's going out of there any, anywhere. Silver down 44 cents. These guys, Greg, have you ever seen anything move so violently within such a narrow range as the silver? Two and three percent moves like every week, and yet it never goes anywhere. Up or down. Copper down five cents, 382, and we have Bitcoin down 655, 51,144. A lot of stuff there, Matt. What do you got? Traffic weather sports. Bulls with a big one last night oh, yeah, against definitely. the Pelicans. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, currently 6.43 a.m. on February 26, 2024. As far as weather, we have 37 degrees right now in Chicago. Uh, clear skies to continue throughout the day with a high of 60 degrees. Wow, that's a big jump for February. Uh, down in Phoenix, Arizona, 64 degrees this morning with a high of 76 and clear skies as well for them. Uh, sports, basketball, of course. Bulls beat Pelicans 114 to 106. As well as in hockey, Blackhawks lose to Red Wings 2 to 3. And then tonight in soccer, USA plays Mexico in the Concacaf Gold Cup. Catch that on ESPN tonight at 9:15 p.m. CST. Uh, that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. All right, uh, we have Mr. Flanagan. We do indeed. I'm um, Greg. Good uh, morning, Tim. I don't know if you guys are exactly the, the hockey bluffs, but. Uh, can anybody explain to me, Lucy, why in God's name do we trade Patrick Kane? That was pretty rough at the end there. <laughs> well, yeah, and the guy scores the winning goal again. <laughs> yeah, in the overtime, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Chicago team has been good at controlled demolitions after successes, brother. It's For a while. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, this, uh, you know, I, I'm not putting these 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 team these leagues together and stuff and they have these salary caps and so forth and I'm not saying first of all having a salary cap is so un-American it's so anti-competitive but we are talking about cartels right so I guess cartels will act as cartels will act uh, but the thing that is is so bizarre to me it's not bizarre I mean I understand it from when you're talking about cartel that's why Jan and uh, whenever you were in uh in economics class at the University of Chicago or anywhere, I guess it has a decent program. When they say, when they ask you a, a question, you know, question officer, uh, when they ask you a question, they always have to define the environment. And, the, and when they say, okay, this happens, 
we have this supply chain problem. We have this. We have this jump in price because of the Arabs. We got something, something. Assume a competitive marketplace. That would be one option. Assume a monopolistic uh, marketplace or assume, you know, an oligopoly or a cartel. And the answers are kind of different for all three. But any, but the weird part for, for us, meaning the, the schlubs of the world, uh, the Hawks have this really solid decade. I mean, it was really good hockey. And, I mean, anybody who didn't enjoy watching that team, you know, with uh, Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taze, who, you know, to me is one of the one of the, the greatest, one of the most outstanding sports figures in Chicago over the last two decades. Perfect gentleman, it seems. And, I mean, I don't really know anybody. A great captain. I mean, when the guy even was on the Olympic team, wasn't he? He was immediately the captain. I mean, he just was the guy. Played well. Never was a dirty player. It was it was a team that was spectacularly fun to watch, and then all of a sudden, ticket prices, which were always high, now are skyrocketing. Then all of a sudden, every year, oh no, we got the salary cap. Well, meanwhile, there's no cap on the ticket price, right? So right. Now all of a sudden, oh no, your tickets aren't two hundred anymore; they're like two fifty. Well, by the way, we got to get rid of these two guys, so the team's going to be nowhere near as good next year. Well, all right, I guess I can roll with that. Next year, oh man, we're and there's other couple guys we got to get rid of. And by the way, your ticket's three fifty, to the point where, what in God's name, I'm paying two and a half times what I did during when we had a good team for a team that absolutely sucks. I mean, as a as a somebody who pays for these things, that that's interesting that you can get away with that. I mean, I, one of my good buddies had hawk tickets forever. He was, what is it on the? He was, um, I think he was down near the uh, glass. Three fifty a pop. And he just he got rid of them. He's like, I can't even give these things away. And, uh, you know, how do you... My cousin was mezzanine, and I think he had to pay... What is it, Greg? He had to pay $25 a game per ticket just to be able to go into the restaurant and the mezzanine. And, like, if you don't even go, you're paying 25 It's still a good deal. Yeah, it's still... <laughs> even if you don't even go in there. Um, I'll tell you what, though. Out of all those tickets in the stadium, those had to be the nicest tickets. And you're going to ask me why. Um... Uh, why would that be, John? For you, a tall man, and the mezzanine—it's the little, the little one. It's like a little balcony. The first one—you know what I'm talking about, Greg. Um, you walk up the steps, and there's all the aisles. Well, there were two seats at the top of the steps. Those were his seats. So you had the leg room all the way down to the bottom. There was nobody in front of you. Those were the worlds. If you wanted to get up to the bathroom or go up and get a beer, you just got up and went. I mean, uh, the. And, I, I, the best seats I've ever I've ever been in because there was nobody in front of you, no seat in front of you. We had to scrunch your legs. Anyway, more than anybody needed to know. But he was; those things were they were like being on the ice. This is years ago. Uh, my my cousin knew a guy. I don't know if he's croaked by now or what he did, but he was he was a a, 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 a Bears. I don't know about the White Sox, but a Bears and Hawks season ticket holder. And he never missed a Hawk game for, I'm going to say, 35 years. His dad's wake, he went to the game. said, my dad would want me to. Well, you know, that's, that's <laughs> one way to do it. Yeah, it's one way to do nobody, it. Nobody to judge. <laughs> I mean, and he had seat in the old stadium. And, uh, and he went to every single game. But, I mean, that, that was the, you know. The that's cr- when they were affordable, too, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Well, you couldn't get one. The hardest ticket, one of the hardest tickets in sports to get was a Hawk ticket in the old stadium. And uh, I mean, I knew people that went standing room only every single night and got there at five o'clock and got their spot. I mean, you, you had to love it. I mean, it was it was 
Everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody in the other teams. Anyway, I'm just saying the economics of all this, it kind of ties in with did the Cubs really want to sign up for eight years at you know 35 mil for somebody? I think the answer was no. And finally, the the the, the free agent market, which is different than the regular market because baseball, the cartel is so dominant they actually have created two markets. There's a regular market and then there's a free agent market, and they don't match up at all. And uh, I mean, how how would the world be, Jan, if if every year there were only, you know, five lawyers available to, to go from firm to firm, and they were all, you know, they, they're all guys who were successful lawyers. Well, they're going to get paid more than, than they would base the new person, right? Because there's only five of them available. I think Jerry Reinsdorf is, you know, the lead example for how, you know, winning has nothing to do with, a, you know, the, the economics of, of the team from his standpoint, because if you can get you know, as he did with the White Sox Stadium, Bird Stadium, um, you know, a deal where he can use the, the stadium rent-free as long as attendance doesn't exceed a certain amount. What incentive is there for him to attract a team and support it that's going to, you know, bust the turnstiles with people coming in? Then he's got to start paying for rent. He'd rather have a scumbag team. Um, he makes money no matter what, as long as he doesn't pay rent. So he doesn't care if it's a winning team or not. It has nothing to do with his equation at all. Uh, actually, it does. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is one time I'm going to disagree with my, my buddy, Jan. The, the rent contract is so egregious to, to the population, meaning us, that if he if he goes over a million, he still only has to pay one and a half million or something. I mean, he, he's way better off to fill the place up because I, I think his top is like six. And if, and if you fill a place up, you're going to make way more than the six. I mean, he, he still is... That's that's not how he thinks. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't anything, know. Anything he spends on taxes, on rent, whatever, is a loss to him. I don't care what he's making on the other end of it. It doesn't matter. It's a, it's a philosophical thing. That's such well, they, they, they could be. I mean, but whenever you talk to somebody who, uh, you know, <laughs> well, Greg is a trader as well. And I'll, I can ask Greg, and I know exactly what he, his answer is going to be. Uh, Greg, what is the definition of losing money? And I have a feeling. Let's say debit to your account. You walk debit in with, to cash. You walk in one day with a hundred thousand in your account. When you leave, there's ninety nine. Right. You lost money. Now Reinsdorf and that ilk, um, his idea was: I didn't move the socks. I think I could have made more there. Uh, by the way, I'm making a lot here. But I lost money. No, no. Losing money is is, is leaving the day with less than you walked in with. <laughs> it's pretty basic to me, right, Jan? It's not. Yeah, I could have not been, making as much as you could have. It's not losing money. Well, plus in your eye, in your eye, you actually didn't have to. You didn't actually do it. Yeah, it's an opportunity. You know, it's like telling, you know, it, you know, if if you were married and you had five kids and they're all in school and you like where you are and 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 all of a sudden you say, well, I think I could move to God knows where. And make more dough. Well, ten years later, you tell the wife, because of you and these kids, I had to stay there. I could have made more somewhere else. Well, did you really get the offer? Did you? I mean, what, what do you mean? In your in your own mind, you maybe think you could have, but could you really? I mean, do you really? Does anybody really think that the, the socks could be be better? Well, do, what's our what's our handicap of the situation? Are they going to move down here or up here? Um, if, if you listen to the, the editorials of the papers, everybody's singing the song. Oh, the Do you think that's really going to happen? I don't know. I, I know the, the mayor, I think, wants it, which is a huge plus for him, uh, for Reinsdorf. But, like, 
Is that really going to happen? Um, I hope not. I really hope and, not. And in terms of your your loss uh, would, would you, point of view, would you, would you want me to uh, take five minutes to tell you the sides of this this conversation? I mean, but would what's what are what are the odds? I, I think that they're going to get not a lot of public money. I don't think the that um, what's his name, the big guy, the governor. I don't think Perfect. he's going to. I don't. I don't see him doing that because that would go directly against his call. Well, it. well first, for, for the listeners to understand, which you I'm sure they probably d- do. doing deals Sachs, with rich white people. Well, the, the Sacks and the Cubs, sorry, the Sacks and the Bears both owe the, the population money. Both stadiums are underwater, even though they're supposedly paying rent. Now, the Bears, both of those stadiums are, if, if, you, don't, if you don't know it, the, uh, the Sacks, I believe, Jen, you can maybe check this for me, but I, I think there's a uh, entertainment tax. There's the hotel tax that no, no, that hotel, runs. hotel goes to the a Metropolitan Pier. That goes to McCormick Place. There's two taxes. One is hotel tax, and one is the extra quarter percent on your sales tax at all the places like Ceres. I think the, the isn't it, Jen, from North Avenue to uh, Roosevelt Road? Yeah, to Halstead? it's the fine district. Yeah, and. Uh, I think that goes for sign. You know, I, I say this all the time. I'm going to check this because essentially the interest and the bonds are paid for not by the socks. They're paid for either by the hotel tax, like you say, or the extra sales tax downtown. So they socks have never paid interest on the stadium. They just pay rent, and the rent, you know, like uh, you know, like Greg says, if, if they drop under a million people, the rent's zero, right? Yeah. And uh, so now, but I think. Somehow or another, that group has, they spent money when they took the, they put the roof on it, or the little roof, and they took the rows of seats out, right? And they spent money for the bar across the street. So there, there's a there's a balance on this, and I think if the Sox would have paid like another million a year, which they easily could have, uh, I think it would, they'd be flat, but they're not. Same thing with the Bears. They're, they're, they've refinanced Soldier Field a couple times, but the Bears pay $6 million a year, which is which is peanuts. If the Bears would have paid eight. Now we're talking about a family that over the twenty years they've been there, they've probably made seventy five to hundred and fifty million a year, maybe is up two hundred the last few years. Now you can't tell me they couldn't have paid like two million more a year for rent where the where, where the population wouldn't be getting this where the sun don't shine. So the, so right now we we owe on both of those places. But you ask yourself, why would you kill somebody new? Now now, now the next question is Greg knows this on the trading floor. Who's we? You got a mouse in your pocket? Reinsdorf's kids, from what I understand, uh, I mean, they're not kids. I mean, uh, they have been involved, I know from somebody down in Mexico, they have been involved in virtually every new stadium that's gone up worldwide in the last 10, 15 years. Either it's a, a security contract, it's a camera contract, it's uh, something. There's, there's all kinds of things. They go into these stadiums. So if, if Reinsdorf were to put up a new stadium, get one put up, and all of a sudden his family has four or five of these ongoing contracts, they don't care if the place loses dough, do they, Jen? Of course not. I mean, if we put up presidential towers, which was a total, total bomb in terms of the ownership, and we had the the contract for the guy downstairs at the lobby or the cable contract or the, the garage contract... We've been fat and happy for 40 years, haven't we? Yeah. 
I mean, so don't think that everybody loses just because we lose, right? So the mayor, I'm sure, being the community activist, whatever the hell he is, he, he sees a new place going up. All of a sudden now, he can decide who gets... Well, yeah, he's on yeah. that side. But I'm I'm thinking it's less likely than everybody's thinking right now because the optics, simply for the governor, are giving quote, handouts to billionaires is not high on his political uh, the city, checklist. Plus the city's broke. Well, the city doesn't make as much of a difference, do they? Sure. Sure they do. I think the what's happening now is because the Bulls and the, the White Sox are both looking to do you know big deals, um, I think they're trying to get access to that, whatever that tax the the bears are what's the bears debt paying towards or they've they've well you first thing you do is is at the very least i'll find it you Hold you on. give the team well these these stadiums are beyond that you're, you're talking about if the bears want to own a stadium well their whole point of having the moving the stadium to the 78 the, what was it the 70, 78 yeah. yeah the 78 was it would be it would retire the debt of those other two built into the cost well, okay. and the well, the way they get that extra money is from this he's he's looking to take i think what they wanted to give the bears well okay but what ends up this this gets pretty complicated where's brendan when we need him uh you know john knows somebody now you become if the bears are going to finance it okay no 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 if pti for instance wanted to buy I'm not going to say Merrill Lynch, but if we did, okay, you'd need the money from somewhere. Either people are going to have to donate one hell of a lot to, to the to the uh, equity of PTI Securities to buy Merrill Lynch like a real lot, or we could have some capital and we could go to some bank or somebody and say, by the way, how about loaning us you know fifty billion dollars or a hundred billion dollars? That could work, but now we're going to have to pay interest that regular people pay. But now for a stadium, we're gonna we're gonna try and, and lob on to somehow or another and how this combination works, Jan, where we're gonna end up getting bonds where the city will float for us. So now all of a sudden these are tax deferred bonds, correct? And now people don't have to pay taxes on them, so now we're gonna pay four percent interest or three percent instead of six. So that that's kind of the starting point, right, Jan? And then we're gonna talk about taxes on the play, so we don't really want to pay any of those things. Or, or give us a, a what? What are they? What are they paying for now in an area that's totally unimproved, an area that used to be the Chicago River, by the way. There's no gas. There's no electric. There's no sewer. There's no water. There's nothing. Now somebody's got to put all that in. Now the city will probably have to put all that in, and they'll probably pick that up. So that's a big amount of dough. So now, and by the way, nobody's been paying taxes there or a very little bit because it's vacant property for a hundred years. How about locking us in at that tax rate? Uh, well, that's pretty cool. Now, does anybody else get to build a house and have the tax rate get locked in it before they built the house? I'm thinking no, but they're going to no. want they're going to want that, right, John? So right out of the okay. gate, we're talking about infrastructure, we're talking about uh, property tax abatement, and we're talking about being able to borrow at the rate that the state of Illinois does instead of what PTI can do. So that that's out of the gate. That's not even if if all of a sudden you have you have taxes on on beers over at Ceres or any other bar here. They go to actually pay for the debt. The Sox don't pay a dime for the debt of Sox Park. 
or where am I? It's the is ISFA it? bonds or whatever those yeah. are, the ones that they want to retire with the new fi- the financing well, that's, proposal. Well, so what, what, what they do is they go out and But and they're get competing. They, I think he saw an opportunity in what the Bears kind of gave up in those hotel taxes and, and, and uh, I don't know, they want to raise them too. So the total would be more than a billion, but they they're saying they're uh, them and related are going to pick up the tab okay. for the rest. All right. So, but but the, with the logic here, and we're going to go to break the logic here, on the on the finance side, you know, you guys follow me because I sometimes go too fast on this. This is my my job, man. What they're going to say is, okay, we owe pick a number, ten ten million for Sox Park on the old one. Which we shouldn't owe anything after all this time, but but say we do, we owe ten million bucks. So John, am I right? The new one's going to cost, uh, pick a number, four hundred million dollars. Well, that's easy. We'll float a bond. The state will flow a bond for four hundred and ten million for the new one. And we'll take ten million of that to pay the schlumps for the old one. You know, but so everybody's whole. Well, you're not really whole because now. You're spending four hundred million for a place, which may be too much. And oh, by the way, you've tacked ten million more onto that. So now the current city holders, schlumps, us. Now we owe four ten for a place out of the gate that's only worth four hundred, maybe right. not the same. So I mean, th- that's how you do it. It's not like oh, we're going to take care of those guys. No, we're going we're going to borrow more money from you. And oh, by the way, you're going to pay a higher tax every time somebody goes to a hotel or a drink. But the whole premise of this is you sell it to your stupid population. Is it's a hotel tax, it's a drink tax for downtown. By the way, I live in the suburbs. I don't drink downtown. The people in hotels are from out of town. It's okay to tax out of town people, and I don't care if the people downtown like, like this chief guy goes downstairs for beer in the bar downstairs. I don't care if he pays more. By the way, I work in the suburbs. It's all about getting other people to pay for this. Isn't that the sales pitch, Dan? Yeah. What What about the deal I've heard floated that they want to swap out Soldier Field and guaranteed rate field. The Bears will move to guaranteed rate field when the Sox vacated to move to the new park and they'll leave Soldier Field for whatever purpose. It would all the debt to be, you know, spread around somewhere else. Um, but at least it gives guaranteed rate field a tenant, which is something, you know... Yeah, why do the Bears want to be, what do the Bears want to be there? How much... What is the reconstruction? Cheaper than going to Arlington Heights or someplace else. But what is oh, the that recon- would be the day? What oh would, my what's god, the, what, that would be hilarious. What would be the reconstruction cost to make that a football stadium? Plus the Bears want to. Well, I think you know, if I were the Bears, I'd be looking at what I have to do to go to Naperville or some other place or to some other town and get a deal like what I I want financially. And I'm wondering if it's more attractive to do something else with an existing well, except, place and get it the way you want it to be. We got to go to break here, but. If all you want to do is pay a lease and you don't want to be the owner unless you can wiggle all the money out of the state or somebody else, the Bears have the best deal in football, $6.5 million a year. I think I'm with John on this one just because of Murphy's Law. I think that would be a horrible move, but I'm kind of for it because that... <laughs> Never underestimate yeah, their that wisdom. Yeah. sounds great to me, actually. So what, I'm going to say that redoing Saks Park with a dome or with a roof is going to be at least a billion dollars. At least. I, I think that it would be such a hilarious disaster boondoggle. <laughs> that, that yeah. That's a, actually, I did, it didn't even, didn't, I, I want to give a medal to whoever came up with that because that's so on brand for everybody involved, except for Reinsdorf, 
who's now said I'm so old that I'm I'm going to die, and then they're probably going to move the team to Nashville. So no, they're not. We're so not. well, that's yeah. what he's saying in in an order or trying to get them to pony this money up fairly quickly because he said, you know, who knows after I die what's going to happen? They aren't committed like I am, so they're probably going to move because the economics aren't right. Yeah, yeah. but like that. What other options the do they have for guaranteed rate field and and that property? So, I, I think yeah. you could offer that. By the way, didn't he want to move to Tampa Bay, which is absolutely the Saint worst? Petersburg. Yeah. The, but that's the worst franchise. And they were looking to move. I'm going to say the past three years in a row. I'm saying you offer guaranteed rate field to Tampa Bay for the rent the Sox are paying. They would take it. And blue smoke will be coming out of their behinds again here. Now, SP Futures, uh, where are we? Down five. Dancing Futures down 12. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, jocks, stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Smell, you know that gasoline smell. It smells like victory. Hello and welcome to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, Matt Byrne on the board. Matt's making that board sing today. That thing is, everything's, everything's going great, man. You went from uh, 
Me not hearing myself to me having to turn myself down in here. I got the, mid- the Midas touch. You, you're doing something in here. You got that. <laughs> what do you do? Smack it up to side the side of it, or what do you do? Yeah, you give it a few whacks, and it's all good to go. <laughs> well, you got to know just where to hit it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a bomber during World War Two. Yep. <laughs> got S&P futures down three. Nasdaq futures down three. Uh, Dow futures are. We'll look at those in a sec. The uh, great song, huh, Jan? Um, that brings back memories about golden. God, yeah. Uh, Dow futures down forty-three. Boy. I miss Bob not only as an individual and a really good friend, but I sure miss him on the show, boy, because he, all the tax questions we have that I stumble around with, if he was here, we wouldn't be stumbling. We'd know all the answers. Yeah. And uh, talk about missing the man on, on virtually every lost. level. Uh, Very lost, though. Yep. Uh, over in Europe, the DAX up 5, call that flat. The FTSE down 18.2%. CAC around down 26.3. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 135. Um, these guys did not trade on Friday. 0.3% again at all time. Hi, where's Rita Coolidge? Hang Seng down 91.5%, 16.634. Shanghai down 27, that's a full percent. Back under 3,029.77. So I'm saying, John, the Chinese uh, attempt to bring their markets back up has been moderately successful a little bit, but really not, not I don't think, what they were shooting for. Uh, who knows what they were shooting for. Uh, Dow Friday up 62, S&P up 1%. NASDAQ down 44, back and forth, back and forth. Exactly what you would expect after a big move day as a market. It was just choppy and nervous, choppy and nervous. Bonds uh, down two basis points now, 4.24. The boon up two basis points, 2.38. Japan down three basis point, 0.69. Oil uh, down 37 cents, 76.12. Rent down 41 cents, 81.21. Natural gas up 7 cents, 167, but really showing... Uh, El Nino, uh, it's so warm. It's we're probably gonna have the warmest February in record, and you didn't want to be long natural gas this winter. Uh, ouch! Our Bob unchanged 228. Uh, U.S. dollar virtually unchanged at 108.5 against the euro. Same thing with the pound 126.9. Gold uh, down seven bucks. 2042 is it's mired between seemingly two, 2025 and maybe 2055. Can't go anywhere. Silver now, uh, we had a big run up on Thursday, Friday. Now it's going right back down, forty cents, which is one point seven percent, twenty two fifty eight. Copper down four cents, three eighty three. One of the reasons silver is doing this is copper is pretty much entirely an industrial metal. Gold is a little bit of an industrial metal, but mostly uh, more than that, uh, way more than that in the jewelry side and everything else. Plus, uh, you know, it's been it's been a currency backer for years and years and years. Silver is kind of a blended one in the middle. So if the economy were to fall apart, silver would tend to go down. Gold is not going to go down because of that. It may go down, but for other reasons. Uh, last but not least, maybe least, crypto down 465, 51,334. Yeah, for traffic, weather, sports. Man, I was driving home last night, and mm. just as I pulled up and listened to the bulls, and they looked like they were getting clobbered, and I bring all my stuff inside, I turn the TV on, and they're winning. Yeah, they so did I missed pretty the turnaround, well. yeah. Yeah, currently 7.12 a.m. on February 26, 2024. 37 degrees in Chicago with clear skies on a high of 60 today. Looking forward to that. Uh, down in Phoenix, 64 degrees this morning with a high of 76 and clear skies as well. And then uh, the Bulls, yeah, beat Pelicans 114 to 106. It was a pretty great game for them. Uh, same can't be said for the Blackhawks, though. They lost to Red Wings 2-3. to uh, though tonight With Patrick Kane scoring the game winner, which is a... <laughs> Talk about a, a knife where you don't want it. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 
And then, of course, uh, we got in soccer tonight uh, the CONCACAF Gold Cup. That's USA We're playing Mexico. Uh, so catch that on ESPN tonight at 9.15 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. And everybody's getting all over this, this soccer. Are they faking it or do they really like it? Well, I kind of believe it's, you know, it's a spectator sport on, on television, to be sure. I mean, I see games covered routinely now on the networks. That was not the case five, ten years ago at all. Um, and I do hear people talk about it, just, you know, in the this general static in the airwaves. Uh, people are following it. So I, I don't, I'm not surprised because um, it's a, it's you know an international sport. Clearly, it gets but more and more play internationally, you know, television-wise than anything else. And I think you got a lot of disenchanted fans in this country who are, you know, kind of turned away from baseball and football and basketball too. Um, at least when it comes to, you know, televising or trying to get tickets to it or, or be able to afford tickets to it. So, um, it doesn't really surprise me. Um. John, Saturday night was, uh, I, I, I wished you had been with me, actually. Um, heading out to Orland, and uh, so get a load of this. I, I, I go to get my, my new truck. I need an alignment, right? So I, I, I do something I would never do. I, I, they don't answer the phone at the Firestone place, so I, I, I schedule it online. Aren't you proud of me? I actually schedule, schedule it online, which I've never done before. And I look and see, there's, there's nobody scheduled all day. All right, so I pick three o'clock. I get there a quarter to three, and the guy goes, uh, "I'll be a half hour, forty-five minutes." All right, well now it's forty-five minutes. It's an hour. I'm talking to a couple, couple people on the phone, and you know, time's flying. That thing hasn't moved. All of a sudden, it's like four thirty, and I, go, hey buddy, <laughs> what, what's the deal? Uh, well, we're backed up. I said, "How could you be backed up?" I was the only guy scheduled. I know we're backed up. Okay, well, that's fine. So then uh, I see this guy talking to these people about how the, they have the, the new alignment machine is like a half a million bucks. And I'm thinking, what, why do you need... I mean, it, anyway. So then they end up having a long conversation with these people where they couldn't... They had, they had some new... I think it was a new Toyota truck or something. Well, evidently there's all kinds of sensors, alignment sensors on all the new vehicles. So when you when you align it, you have to reset all the sensors, and that's why this machine costs so much money because it resets everything somehow. I, you know, this is way above my pay grade. So they're talking to the manufacturer. It turns out, and I'm thinking, all right, just give me my keys. I'm out of here. And uh, all of a sudden, it's up on the lift. And I said to the guy, "What are you doing? If the machine's no good?" Oh no, it's fine for alignment. It's just all about sensors. You don't have any sensors. <laughs> okay, then. Anyway, the guy gives me half off and the thing's aligned, so I guess I'm okay with it. But we're, So Audrey says, oh, we're having dinner with her friend uh, Kathy, who's terrific. And some uh, friend of hers from the, this, uh, she worked at Romano Brothers, she's now in Southern Beverage, and this guy named Lenny, I met him once or twice, uh, older black gentleman, nice guy. And we're going to dinner at, you know, uh, what's the lobster, Red Lobster? And we're going, <laughs> I've been to a Red Lobster like how many freaking years? And uh, it was awful then. Well, it turns out it was actually pretty good. And I tell you what, John, the guy's got to be 80-something. And he's still in really good shape. Nicest dude. And he, somehow we got on a subject, we went back to Kathy's at a glass of wine, of growing up in Mobile and what medical stuff was like. 
Dan, I could still be sitting there listening. I mean, you have no idea what how people grew up in this country back in those days in some of these areas. And uh, he said you were how many you had to walk to the doctor. He said if somebody actually had an emergency, first thing you had to do was find somebody in the neighborhood with a car that could get you there. So you had to track down a neighbor who had a car who happened to be home. Then maybe you could make it to this community hospital that was like awful. Or if somebody really had an issue and, you, and the doctor told you you had a problem, you had to drive like to Nashville to get to, get a hospital. They were like they lived near Mobile, Alabama. Even the in Alabama wouldn't take people, especially if they were black. And uh, he said that you know he broke an arm playing something. They get him to the doctor. The guy sets it. No X-ray machines or anything. Sets it, puts a cast on it, and says, "Oh, by the way, in six weeks, uh, cut the cast off. And if it's okay, you're good to go." <laughs> or something. He said the guy did a nice job. Said he takes it off and felt okay and never, you know. He, he said, but it was like you you would. He was telling me about somebody had one of the back alley abortions and went home and bled out to death. I mean, uh, I mean, Jan, this is this is our country for God's sake. We we're talking about you know uh, medical care and how it's not even and never was even. And I'll tell you what, it surely wasn't even in those neighborhoods. It was like none. And I'm not so sure in some areas now it's much better. I, I think it's it, returned to that town, especially in rural areas, because r- rural areas generally have done really bad you know, over the last 50 years, not just in, in population loss, but in you know, manufacturing loss, uh, all, all through you know, every state. It doesn't really matter. And that's created the big divide, I think, in health care and, and other things, too, of course. But... I don't think you're you're likely to get any better care, comparatively, in you know a rural part of Illinois than you could 100 years ago. It's probably just as as desperate and requires travel or you know expensive hotel stays or something else to get it. Um, all of which were true then, and you know it's we've returned to that. Um, so it is a scandal. Well, one of the people in our group, not mentioning any names, uh, is you know has some of the conservative bent to him. And their point was, we don't want to be Canada. We don't want this universal health care. And, and my point is, uh, unless you, you know of the good doctors, unless you find a way to get into, you know, if you need back surgery, you're going to find a guy at Lowell or anywhere in Chicago or Northwestern or someplace. If you live in, you know, uh, Centralia, Illinois, that is not your option at all. I mean, there, it's not like... The people there can't sew up a cut or you know or fix a, a you know a broken leg or something. But you're you're not you're not gonna. It, it's got to be almost the same as socialized medicine in some of these other countries, right? I mean, it, 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 the the economics, the the definition of economics is the apportionment of scarcity, right, John? And how do, how does yep. scarcity get apportioned? And we have found, and most of us believe. So certainly people that have been traders and you and I, that a free market system, since it, it tends to create the most wealth, it also creates the most benefit, even though it has its warts, being antitrust and other things. But it does. it's it's a very imperfect system that is, seems to be way better than all the rest of the systems, wouldn't you say? Because uh, people uh, naturally want to be competitive, and if left to their own devices, can be pretty smart and innovative. So it's it's better than a communist system where you tell people everything they have to make and not make. So, but I mean, 
in terms of medical care, I mean, when you talked about, uh, you know, we know people that have had, for instance, uh, uh, you know, maybe a heart rhythm problem. You hear uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar talking about he has a heart rhythm problem, he has arrhythmia. Well, he's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If, 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 you're, you know, if you're a farmer in Mississippi, what are the chances of you getting an ablation? Zero. Or maybe not zero, but unless you're going to make it to University of Mississippi with a doctor's recommendation, I guarantee you're not getting an ablation, I guess. John, what do you th- I mean, it's, it's you know, you got to just, when you think of these problems countrywide, you can't just constantly think of yourself just because you might have a Cadillac policy and know somebody who gets you into the right guy at Northwestern or University of Chicago or someplace. Doesn't mean the rest of the world can do that, right? Right. I, mean, it's, think, it's, I don't think any any patient today, Tom, whether in the city or you know in the boondocks, can get you know, service from a doctor who is not somehow an employee right. of something else. And and of course, what what that means is that there's no you know doctors have no control over their own ability to practice other than what they're told to do and the places they're told to do it in and maybe there's attractions to get them to go to places that are out of the way and don't have, have uh, other things to attract them and maybe they can make that up in the kind of benefit package that some corporation or hospital which I'm using that guardedly but it, but generally there's there's absolutely no you know competition when you come down to it and, well there's and less and less every time Every time there's a, a firm that it says that a doctor will handle the insurance, will do that. And oh, by the way, it was at a point where you you can't go in and have a guy almost you know you know you get an EKG for instance. Well, the machine's right there. Well, now you, I don't even know if there those machines are around anymore unless they're hooked up to a computer and the your your operation knows that you gave you know Greg Pappas an EKG. And by the way, where's the billing going and where's that and the other? You can't just say I'll run you an. Your 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 doctor is is totally out of the decision making loop to a huge right. extent, and I don't know right. that most people even know that because if you're healthy, how would you know that? You don't go to a doctor, right? Well, and you remember the the hoopla. This is back in the you know going back almost fifty years, managed care, which you know, I always thought was a very curious term, in that it, it sort of matched matched what was really being talked about, uh, but now it's it's really standardized care. And by that I mean there is no flexibility in a group of doctors who are all getting a paycheck from the same hospital to do anything other than what the hospital dictates, whether it comes to billing or you know medical recommendations or you know tests to be made or whatever else. It's all about maximizing profit, and as a result, you get standardized care, which of course just reduces the quality of care for everybody. Well, it, it's it's sold. Absolutely no financial worries whatsoever. Then you could go overseas or, or someplace else. But in this country, we, we looked at a growingly, you know, poor standard of care, and it's it's standardized across the board. So you can get the same poor care no matter where you go, and you're forced to get it too. Well, but the the cost is astronomical, and, it, and you know, people might say, well, why, why in stocks and jacks are we constantly talking about, you know the medical care situation. Well, the medical care situation is because it is now 21% of the economy. And and you're talking about people with consumer debt and so forth. I mean, I would love to see, John, there's probably a breakdown somebody must know. There's got to be. There's always somebody who does a study someplace. I'm gonna, I read something a long time ago, and I, I don't know, maybe you know, you're better at this than me. Um, is it possible to find out why people 
have these huge balances on their credit cards, which are, which is now at record levels, correct? And it's grown by the month. To where, what was the last last time the uh, credit card balances of banks of, of people are, are less than their checking deposits now, or some 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 bizarre number that I that I heard on the radio. I mean, but I mean we should check some of this out before we we you know out peep it. But I'm going to say that I read five to ten years ago, you know, because I remember this stuff, that one of the leading causes, if not the leading cause, and what, what does everybody think when, when somebody goes, hey, there's, there's Joe or Jane Jamoke, they've got uh, um, a $20,000 credit card bill or debt, and you say, well, Jesus, the bleep went out and bought a bass boat that he shouldn't have, or, or she went out and bought a boatload of furniture for the living room or something, and and all they did was they threw it out there and said maybe someday they could pay for it and maybe they couldn't. Well, I think there are people like that. I don't think there's very many, Jen. I mean, I don't think too many people sign up for a credit card deal where your rate's going to be 24% or 22 or 30 or whatever the hell it is with the gleeful number that I'm going to run this one up like next week and I don't mind paying 25%. I, I honestly don't believe, I'm not going to say that anybody can be that dumb. But not very many people can be that dumb. I, I still have my faith in, in some human nature. Uh, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to say it's a it's a a cost that you may have gone out and bought some furniture with the incredible intent of paying for it in a month or two, uh, and all of a sudden there's a medical bill or something or you know a four thousand dollar transmission that you didn't expect. Now all of a sudden instead of the 2500 for the furniture it's another five grand for medical bill or a car expense or a roof you didn't you know that a tree hit or something and your insurance didn't cover all of it all of a sudden now you're mired in this but there was an article i read that that talked about the causes of that and the leading cause was a medical event and so it's not just everybody running out and and, and of course there's going to be people who get laid off and say, I'm only going to be laid off for a month or two. I'm looking for a job. The prospects look pretty good, so we're not going to change our lifestyle for a month or two. We'll put it on the credit card in a minute. I get the new job. We'll, there's, there's some of that going on. There's some of all this stuff, but I think a lot of it has to do with an expense that you didn't expect. And uh, there's that. Well, am I right or wrong? Well, one, one, one thing, you know, the MBAs and, you know, other people in the financial industry convinced the medical profession a long time ago that people, everybody will need medical care you know, at some point in their lives, and the more the older they get, the more they're going to need it. Um, so we've got a you know a, a rich source of income here for the people who know how to make money. And there's there's no way somebody's you know got to choose between you know enduring a life threatening condition or, or symptoms that are just too painful and whipping out the credit card that's got the most headroom on it and slapping it down to get whatever care you're being told will take care of you. And at the same time, you're looking at people next to you who are getting the same procedures who aren't paying anything. So, you know, there's no way that system is, is fair, but there's no way that system is sustainable either. Well, it also cannot be justified if you go into a... I had a, one of my, one of my uh, good friends married into this family. Uh, she's got a bunch of brothers and sisters. Well, one of the brothers was at a Northside hospital and he was a tech in the uh, MRI area. And they ended up getting purchased, the hospital, and you know the name, it's one of the biggest ones up there, if not the biggest, north of Chicago. 
So maybe make a guess at which one it is. And they got bought by one of these hospital groups. I think he told me that they used to charge 2500 for an MRI. And the minute the other place took control, they upped it to five. Not five dollars, five grand. And then and cut everybody's hours and cut their pay. Because now there's one less competitor. You talk about antitrust and how this affects you. Well, it affects you. Now, does that mean that that hospital places a buy? I'm going to say probably not, because all it means is the people up top suck up more money in their salaries. It never makes it down to the owners, if there even really are owners. It might might actually be a, a university or something like that. To, right. you know, it, it isn't necessarily the doctors who are getting wealthy, I'll tell you that. No, no, I, I'm gonna, I'll bet if you went to University of Chicago or Northwestern or uh, Rush, I'm going to say that the... the that the top 50 people getting paid are not doctors. Maybe okay. the top 25. Same yeah. thing like in universities where it's not the faculty. Yeah, it's not the faculty. It's, it's somebody above, some somebody who's, who's, who's keeping it all together, you know, the facility or whatever, or, or, who's, or who manages to get all the, the money from government for all these different projects and stuff. Not that you don't need it, you do. I mean, I would, I would love to see exactly, I mean, if I was, uh, God, John, if they ever pitched us into the Oval Office, Man, I'd have, I'd have, I kind of be the biggest pain in the ass. Every one of my cabinet guys in every area. I don't know. Can you do this to your cabinet officials? I'd give every one of them an assignment of two or three studies that I wanted done within six months, very rigorously. Where's the money going? Who's making this? What's really happening? The veterans area. You name a spot. Whether it's if it's the highway area, okay. Who's getting the dough? Is it competitive? Are these bids okay? I mean, I, I'd want to know all that, John. Does anybody know any of that stuff, or do they just keep pouring money out to people? Well, chances are you get the same crooked off with doing all those audits. Uh, well, we wouldn't we wouldn't let that happen, would we? No, we, we, we try not to let that happen. Yep. <laughs> we, 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 we wouldn't. Probably that contract too sweet. To and we, we definitely wouldn't want the Wolves Union auditing the Wolves. I, I think we know where that one might come out. And we sure as hell aren't going to go to Harvard. Here's our study. Here's the conclusion. Make the rest up. Okay. <laughs> so what do you make? We had the big week in the market last week. That's even a little bit higher. Uh, we've, we're, we, you know, we're pounding in more and more into the electoral campaign. Uh, what do you think, John? Are we going to make it to the election with the market at all-time highs? Not. Uh, Ukraine... Um, we're going to give everybody some the money. Uh, we're talking about a big Russian offensive. Yeah, because it's, it's coming right back to the workers in this country, Tom. That's what Victoria Newland said the other day. Well, right? yeah. Every dollar we give to Ukraine comes right back to arms manufacturers here. And, you know, 40 states have people who are going to, you know, keep their food on their table because we're sending money to Ukraine. Like, uh, well, yeah, we're, well, not, we're not really sending money. I'll tell you what I think yeah. of that. Well, I mean, we're not really... If you take that point of view, we're not sending it there. We're sending it to Boeing, and we're sending missiles to Ukraine. Right, and we're just we're just killing a few people in between. Who cares about them anyway? Well, right? let's. Well, we. I don't think we have anywhere near. We got a dash here, but I don't think we have anywhere near the. Uh, got a dash to break the, the. The. I don't. I don't think anybody here has the same. Lack of care about life as Putin does. I mean that guy. He's. Well, wh- where do you think he is? Is he? I don't think he's Paul Pot. I don't think he's Hitler, but. He's somewhere. He's somewhere in there. Tom, he's like he's like Joe Biden. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't mean that. I don't mean in terms of you know whatever 
surprise you might necessarily attribute to, to one or the other, but they're, and I'll tell you one thing, but Putin is a smarter bureaucrat because he's running a, a, a much more dangerous show trying to hold that country together. Yeah, but he has his own secret, he has his own secret, secret army that'll come kill you if you disagree with him. Biden doesn't have that. that here, Tom. No, we're, that we're not here. To, nowhere near to that level. We might, we might not allow somebody else to run. If somebody's running for office that we don't like, we might tap his phone like we did the governor of New York. Look at, look at January 6th, Tom. Solitary confinement for people who walked through the Capitol. That's a little crazy. Yeah. Anyway, SP Futures up 3, Nasdaq Futures up 28. We, we will be right back, Stacks and Jacks. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues Issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Load on base, stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Matt Burn on the board. A quick traffic weather sports here, since we just did it at the top of the hour, so we're, we're hitting everybody up with three of these. <laughs> SP Futures 
Uh, now up two and a quarter. And as that futures up 26, can't keep a good market down. Uh, we have the uh, individual stocks in the Dow uh, not really doing much of anything. And Amazon, but Amazon is now uh, in the Dow. Uh, Walgreens is oot, oot. Um, we don't want no drugstores in there. We've got Nvidia is up 852. They're not in the Dow, obviously. Other stocks in the Dow. We've got American Express up a buck oh nine. McDonald's up 99 cents and uh, Salesforce up 485. So that's one of the bigger drivers. You know, the actual Dow average this morning is down 14. That's uh, so. You know, again, we're we're not doing much here. We've got the PCE numbers coming out this week. Uh, the f- the Fed's most is preferred inflation thing, but they're the only ones that know the details if they even know the details. So that's a totally useless kind of thing. Uh, real quick, over in Europe, uh, almost unchanged because we just did this. Over in Asia, we've got the Hang Seng down 91, Shanghai down 27. So they're going the other way, even though China keeps trying to push them up. Uh, we've got bonds not very much going on there, down one basis point. The blend down two basis points, Japan down two basis points. Oil only down 12 cents, so that's almost flat. We've got gold uh, down 790, so got up almost to 2050. Now it's back to 2041. Silver down 41 cents. That's the biggest mover. That's almost 2%. 2257. Real quick, pre- traffic weather sports uh, out there, Matt, because we just did it. Absolutely, yeah. Well, good morning, everyone. It's currently uh, 7, 7.38 on February 26, 2024. Of course, you mentioned earlier that uh, 37 degrees right now in Chicago. Clear skies for the day and 60-degree weather. We're looking forward to that. Uh, as far as sports, Bulls beat Pelicans 114-106. Uh, Blackhawks lose the Red Wings 2-3. And look forward to that game with uh, USA-Mexico in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Uh, be on the ESPN 915. I think I'll uh, take a pass on that. <laughs> uh, well, same here, I have to, have to say. Uh, but as far as traffic, everything looks pretty normal today. Uh, yeah, everything on the inbound and outbound. I think, Flan- I think Flanagan's a guy we'd see, like, lurking around on a skybox with a soccer game. <laughs> yeah, what Just hanging think? there, yeah. uh, sitting there with a, with a glass of wine with his pinky pointed straight up. I could see him doing that. The high life. Just because that's yeah. where all the cool guys are and all, you know. <laughs> Eating my caviar. Yeah. The uh, what was that? what was the first time you ever had caviar? Were you a caviar guy? I remember the day, Tom. Nineteen sixty. I was at a, a wedding reception, a kind of an informal wedding, outdoors, and I took some of the stuff and I asked somebody like, "What is this?" That says caviar. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever that is, and I was hooked. <laughs> I, I uh, this is. Talk about stories where they talk about people uh, not not having the same wages as other people, you know, be it women, be it minorities, be it whatever it is. Uh, and it, to this, I think, Janice is somewhat of an improved, but back in the day, you basically got paid what, what your previous employer paid you. <laughs> it had nothing to do with worth, right? I mean, of any sort. Uh, i give you a, 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 an example. When I got out of grad school, an awful lot of people wanted to go work for Ford. And you might say, why in God's name would anybody want to go work for Ford? Because they were very structured. We're talking about the financial area. If you're going to be a, you know, a scrub analyst, then an analyst, and maybe an assistant controller, you want to go work for Ford. And I'm going to ask you, John, what was the reason for that? So why would you want to go work for Ford? They paid over. Well, you could work. You they, could work something. They paid overtime for salaried people. So if you went to work, you got nothing else to do in Dearborn, Michigan, right? So if I'm a, a financial analyst and I'm putting putting in my 40 hours a week with my 14-column paper, you know, which you get on you know, computers in those days, 
and they needed me on Saturday, I could go work time and a half uh, for maybe 10 Saturdays a year. So if I was hired at 18 grand or 17 or wherever the hell it was, I could say I made 19.5 last year. And, and, and forget the part about some of it was overtime. So it was a way to pad your uh, salary for your next job because everybody left there after two years. Nobody could stand it. But that was okay. Ford didn't mind that. So at Pullman, they hired two financial analysts out of the University of Chicago at the same time. Myself and this guy named Mike. I'll leave the last name out. Nice guy. He'd come from Ford. Well, I came from Allied Van Lines where I was an agency consultant, and I went there just because I wanted to learn small business stuff. And I went around the country and actually learned an awful lot about people in small business. I can tell you some stories, uh, but I won't on the air. Um, and so we end up at Pullman basically in the exact same job. The only problem is Mikey, who everybody, we call him, starts at twenty-two grand a year, and I start at like sixteen five. Same job. Now, I wasn't a minority. I wasn't female. I wasn't having a baby. You just You got paid what the other guy paid you plus like 10%. Except the other guy was paying him a lot more than I was getting paid. So we landed in the same spot. We ended up doing two different things. We had different skill set. He loved doing corporate reports and stuff. I hated it. So I actually worked out in the plant more and did the traveling for the marketing and things like that. Nobody wanted to take him with me. He was terrific. He had a really nice wife. So they invite us, me, uh, Robin, the lady who died this year, who been on the show a bunch of times. We were boyfriend-girlfriend at the time. So we go to their house. And... Uh, He's got this stuff and uh, with crackers, and I go to Robin, what the hell is this stuff? She goes, I think it's caviar. <laughs> of course, Robin knew what it was. And I'm like, I tried it. God, it was awful. It tasted like, like a big load of salt to me. And so I go, all right, which is worse? To eat this stuff the guy paid a fortune for when I can't stand it, or to tell him I can't stand it? <laughs> I'm sitting there going, which, which is the bigger faux pas? <laughs> I'm sitting there, where's my, where's my Miss Manners book to figure out what I should do with this stuff? Just read it and bear it. I just, oh my god, this stuff is great. I had a couple more, like that was it. For, <laughs> I thought it was awful, but anyway, that, that was just me. Now, you, of course, liked it. I, mean, I could see why you want to be in the soccer kind of book. So, Dan, where does, this, where does this all end? I mean, we've got two people running for, and I mean, we're not getting into who's who or whatever. I, I can't stand either one of them, so I don't, and I, I don't even know who's who. By the way, who's the libertarian guy? Because i got to vote for him. I don't even know who he is, or maybe it's a she. Uh, actually, will Robert Kennedy be on the ballot here? Oh, no, I doubt it. Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm, I I'll, whatever that. it is, I'll, I'm going to write him in. I don't care. I've decided, I'm just going to decide right now who I'm going to vote for. But I'm saying, are, are we going to have any substantive issue anywhere in this campaign? Well, you think of all the substantive issues that are out there and how little they enter into the debate. I don't think it's a shortage of issues, Tom, but it's an unwillingness to talk about any of them. And, and, and to get the candidates to talk about it. I mean, it, it's, it's a struggle to get airtime if you talk about issues, believe me. Well, let's... Uh, People sort, sort, of, sort of made up their mind about issues anyway. I don't think there's much to be debated. Yeah, a lot of voters, so... Well, Jan, what do you say we shift gears as we have Audrey and uh, yeah, says piled in? Let's do that. And I'm sitting there going, we're liable to get there with one debate. Nobody's going to talk about the deficit. Nobody's going to talk about the wars. Nobody's talking about anything. They're just going to fire back and forth into each other. What a useless year that's going to be. Audrey, are you with us? Yes, I am. You've zoomed in? I'm, I'm 
been sitting here listening to you guys. Um, why did you why did you save us? We were on a roll. Why would I interrupt? Like Belushi in Animal House, he's on a roll. The Germans didn't really bomb Pearl Harbor. Yep. That what, is that one of the best lines ever? <laughs> the Germans bomb. The guy goes, "Hey, the Germans did let him go. He's on a roll." You know, who was, who was that that said let him go, John? Was that Otter? <laughs> he's on a, I don't miss Belushi. Who do you miss more, uh, Belushi or Gilda Radner? I think I maybe miss Gilda Radner more. Yeah, I think I like they both Gilda. were amazing comedians. They were just amazing. Yeah, she would. Uh, well, he he messed himself up. I mean, she died of a horrible death of what? She had cervical cancer or something? Oh, ovarian cancer. Ovarian cancer. Yeah, God. I don't know. That's when, uh, uh, oh my God, Gene. Uh, Gene uh, Wilder. Thank you. Opened the uh, uh, cancer center. Up on the north side of Chicago in her honor. Really? I mean, uh. That's still there, as far as I know. I feel like doing a, a Gilda Radner every once in a while. Roseanne, Rosanna Danner, where you say, so you go off on a tangent and all of a sudden you go, why am I talking about this? She's going, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what's going on? We haven't had, because of the Mondays, uh, every, everything's a holiday. I haven't had you or Nancy Ann in a while. What, what is the status? Uh, last week I saw something about. Mortgages were going up a little bit, the amount of mortgages, and all of a sudden it hit 7% again, and then they were going flying back down again. Uh, what the hell's going on? Over? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's normally the start of the really busy spring market. And it actually is, uh, it's, it, 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 there is actually deals going on. It's not nuts like it was last year. Uh, it's still busy. It is not nearly as busy it could be with the interest rates at this part but you know people also will either have to move or want to move and the people who you know if the simple truth is if you want to move buy a house the mortgage rates are what they are and unless you're lucky enough to have cash in the bank to buy a house you're just going to have to accept the mortgage rates and hopefully maybe you'll refinance later down the road well the and well, let's jam this too. The, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why the prices are, are the way they are. I mean, people don't. There's a, there's a shortage of supply because people to cheaper mortgage will not sell. They'll, they'll do the best they can to not move. But last year or the last two years have to be, I think, by anybody's admission, economically unusual in the sense that rates went up pretty rapidly and prices went up as well. Uh, it, it, it just happened. I would not have predicted that. I'd have been wrong again. But I guess my question to both of you, Jan Moore on the institutional side, how long can that go on? I mean, uh, it, can we have five years of that? I I don't see that. I mean, what do you think happens? The rates go back down or the prices at least freeze here? Or, or, or can, can, can it keep going? I'll ask you. I think well, I as think long as you've got... Is, I'm sorry, Audrey, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I didn't hear who I didn't hear who he said because I've only had a half cup of coffee yet. Uh, um, try do, do residential I, first. You you go first, Doug. Resident, because I don't I don't think the price of the commercial with all the buildings that are being sold at auction. I don't know how, how much that's going up. So residential is going up or has yeah, gone up. Yeah, we have been. Uh, but I, again, I now I think that I look at prices on some of the new listings and I'm like, no. So I think that. I don't know how much more they can sustain uh, and also start, you know, to the appraising out uh, to their value. I would I would say we're very close to the top in value, in my opinion. Interest rates 
where they're at or not. Let's just say for laughs that interest rates drop two points in the next week. Well, that probably would cause a flurry of home buying and also an opportunity for supply and demand to shove it up because there, there simply are not homes for sale. Very, very few. Again, and we're facing a big shortage that the rise in interest rate has, it's all, that's, it's all been created artificially now. They've raised the rates too fast, too much, and what they've done is just created a bottleneck. People are not giving up two, three, four interest percent rates to move. So you've got this artificial situation created waiting for the dam to break one or another. Either they're going to relax and let the natural flow evolve. They've got to do something here. Or we're all going to just keep cruising into a recession that's looming in front of us. Look at the layoffs everywhere. It's even hitting the tech sector, which the last recession, to my remembrance, avoided. So we're seeing something gathering and gathering. They're going to do what I think the Fed always does is overcorrect, wait too long, we'll watch the trade wreck coming and, and not do anything until the trades collide. Well, and how much, uh, um, you know, you and Nancy obviously talk a lot, so you know you know a lot about her business, she knows a lot about yours. I resent that from that, that that we talk about. Go ahead. Um, I've seen you two both be talking at the same time, and I'm trying to listen to both, just saying. But, uh, anyway, you guys... I learn a lot from the both of you all the time whenever I talk, so I don't, whatever you talk, so I don't mind that. What what kind of stress do you think is there? I mean, uh, we talked to, uh, we had a tremendous dinner, I was telling everybody earlier, with uh, Kathy and a friend Lenny the other night, and I learned so much from that dude, I, I'd still be there talking to him. I mean, I, I had one of the nicest times I've had in a long time uh, talking he's about... He's a great, he's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful man. Uh, I've known him 25 years. But his what sense a wonderful of his, human his history of what what life was like back then. I mean, you wouldn't know that unless you talk to somebody. Anyway, uh, Kath uh, has a couple of ne- uh, nephews that you know the, the families are growing. How many people are reaching the stress point? I mean, they have they bought the house three years ago and they got a three percent mortgage, and the house is designed for two people. And by the way, the wife the wife's got triplets on the way, and we're going to make a a baby room in the basement or something. Or how many? People are getting divorced, and instead of selling a the house, they got a line drawn down the middle of the place. I mean, there has to be some stress growing because there's just natural movements in houses. People that have two bedrooms or three bedrooms have another kid; they want four. I mean, I mean, a lot of this stuff you do. It's people at this stage in life have a, you know they get married, they have two kids. All of a sudden, they want a bigger. I mean, it's just a natural flow of in the industry, right? It just that that has essentially been aborted, right? Because nobody can yeah, really go. I don't. Uh, I do not understand why every time, in my recollection, that there's been a problem. This is the Fed's only solution: is to basically like to destroy everything the middle class worked for. And that's what's happening. Well, by so all these people that are you were talk, talking about the interest rates. That's the middle class trying to get by and yeah. feed their families and put gas in their tank. I don't understand why they cannot. Of course, if they got out of their bubble wherever they live in Washington and see what's going on in the world, there's got to be another way to do this without bringing things to abrupt standstill. And it's homeowning, um, furniture, Home Depot repairs, carpenters, electricians. You're just you're throwing the whole system out of whack, and it was perfectly fine. You could have done this another way or more gradually. Well, they never should have drawn them down so much in the first place. Well, that's true. 
So the one creates free the money. Other. I always told all my clients, I don't care what you buy, even if you don't love it, buy something now. It's free money, and you're not going to see this situation again in your lifetime, most likely. Well, that's right. Hey, uh, one other thing, I've been, I've been ranting a little bit, not a little bit, a real lot about the inflation stuff. Jan and I, Jan, here's the brunt of it. Um, you were mentioning uh, this weekend, right, as we were driving around, uh, Jan, you know, I've, I've talked about the, I'm going to say the silent inflation that people, if I, if I hear one more person on CNBC talk about the price of gas or eggs as inflation, I almost want to be like an Elvis and shoot the TV. It, it's all over the place. It's not just there. And I've, I've been kind of zeroing off on a tangent about it's the silent inflation, stuff people never even thought about, really. You know what? The problem is all these people talking are making enough money and are so insulated from reality, they don't even know. I would love, love to drop them off somewhere without their big salary in an area where people are struggling and see what they thought about the price of eggs and gas in about two weeks. Well, what I'm trying to get to what is... Is it trying to get past the price of eggs and gas? I mean, you've had some people lately that have sold homes, and people have had, like, inspections, and all of a sudden there's a problem with something. Could be a chimney, could be anything, whatever the hell it is. And then then people go, okay, I I could fix that, and all of a sudden the the estimate's like 10 grand. And somebody goes, what do you mean 10 grand? I know know somebody who had that done five years ago, and it was like 3 grand. The, The shock, in other words... I don't expect everything costs more than than if you haven't bought anything to your point for three to five years and you go out and try and do it. I don't care what it is, a, a washer dryer, uh, prescriptions, anything. Uh, it, it is a shock. But I have a question for John. Hi, John. How are you? Good. I'm you. I'm good. OK. I was saw that they are now closing the mall up in Dundee. And I have been riding around more in my area, and I see more and more empty retail. Um, I, I just see this like as a gathering storm more and more, bigger than I even thought it would be. What what are your feelings on that? Oh, I, you know, those are real dinosaurs, I think. It was Spring Hill, the one up in West Dundee, um, which has been in trouble for a long time, and lost its anchor tenants, Chicago Ridge. Um, and you know some of the long defunct ones like Lincoln Mall, um, Evergreen Plaza. These were built at a time when you know you shopped in a brick and, brick and mortar store for pretty much anything, and it was nothing to spend the whole day in, in such places. And it was considered a real time saver to do that because you didn't have to go downtown, you didn't have to drive around to a million different places. Everything was there. The prices were competitive. But that, that whole model now has changed, and I can't remember the last time I went, say, to a clothing store to buy clothes. I mean, I do just all of it online now, because big and tall stuff is, I have to do it. I can't find it in most stores. But but what the hit that's going to take place because of that, I don't think anybody has really got a handle on, because these towns became used to the income stream and the, the taxation and, and you know, the... the penumbra effect, you know, all the other stores that people patronized when they came to these malls, restaurants and everything else, all of these things are no longer viable enterprises and you put all of them together in a place with theaters and all this stuff, all of those have just you know fallen through the floor for their attractiveness. So you've got whole towns taking gigantic financial hits with nothing to replace them. And I, I think the, the total cost, just in terms of lost jobs, you know, alone, 
um, it's astronomical, but, but the, the future health of, of a lot of these municipalities and suburbs, I think they're just toast. I, I just, I don't see any way they, they can substitute um, an attraction like these malls used to be for about 30 or 40 years. Um, they can't get anything to replace them. They can't find another use for that land that's anywhere near as profitable. So I'm, I'm really spooked by it, I'll tell you. John, what's a, um, a follow-up question, if you don't mind, Odd. I mean, I grew up, well, most of the time in Evergreen Park, and Evergreen Plaza was Rubloff's first major deal, right? And, Ever- and Evergreen Plaza was a real nice spot. Like you said, it had a Carson's, it had a Litton's, it had a Rocha. I mean, it had all kinds of stores, Montgomery Wards. And uh, the taxes from the plaza really helped out Evergreen Park. And now Evergreen Park, at the time, I'm going to say the taxes, what would you guess, Odd? two-thirds of Chicago, maybe, with with really good schools and sure. nice ball fields, all that stuff. Well, now the plaza's pretty much toast. I mean, there's there's something there now. It's come back a little bit. But across the street, there's a Sam's. They'd replaced the Dream Lane Theater, which was a, was a taxpayer. There's a Sam's, there's a Walmart, and there's a Menards. And I'm going to say those people came in and buffaloed the hell out of the village in terms of taxation. They actually got a tax break. So yeah. actually, the amount of retail space, given those places, I think those three places are bigger than the plaza used to be, or damn near as big. But now, the tax in Evergreen Park, I'm going to say, are 25% higher than Chicago. Audrey knows better than me. So the the flip in terms of homeowners' benefit to retail, I I don't know. I bet they're losing with the places they have in there with the with the deal they cut versus the plaza, who I think, for lack of a better stupid term, paid retail on taxes. I mean. Yeah, I would agree, Tom. What do you think, God? I mean, uh, do you think those other places cut such a deal now in these places where they they end up... Well, everybody's so busy cutting their uh, deal and the city's giving it to them. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Uh, You know, this whole more uh, live in your basement, stream TV, order, order, you know, Amazon started, basically, and everybody else's orders... The whole social framework in COVID, stupid COVID thing accelerated, everybody hid. People live different lives. I think we're seeing uh, between tech and AI, uh, it's the new industrial revolution. And we don't think we're, I don't think we're even aware we're in it. Every, the framework of society is changing again. And it's changing under our feet and people are not going to know how to adapt for a while. Well, I think once you get get the idea where you don't have people around and you, and you don't socialize as much, you get used to that. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem all that healthy. Plus, it seems like you, all you do is make mass killers. <laughs> That's a horrible statement, but I don't think it's healthy, and I I believe there will be a backlash in that in the next year for the next gen, upcoming generation. Mm. It's going to start. Our generation is well. Remember, you'll see, that's who's out in the restaurants. Though they'll, they'll I, let's say forty and over, because we all grew up hanging out, going to the malls. Is the your friends spend the day. So, here. so, so we're only forty. I love that. I'm glad you came in. Well, I was, I was mass generalizing, so I'm going to go with that. All right. Um, okay. So maybe a co- couple of us are forty-one. Yeah. So I think. You know, it, I mean, it's just that you've got to get. I think as people will start going out again, because your natural need is to socialize hmm. I think it, I think it's going to be a backlash that will happen kind of slowly I think it needs to happen you know people need to go back to clubs and churches and golfing and walking out and being you know being 
together more. Mm. Everybody probably would hate each other so much if they actually talked to each other. Um, Audrey, you're spot on. I, you know, it, it, yeah. it, after COVID, people have turned into like you know, like they live in bunkers. They don't trust people. They don't trust the information they get. They they see other people posing threats. You know, there's no. We've got to relearn our need to socialize with people because we've been kind of taught to not want them around, and, and, and yeah. there's some somehow a danger to us. And the, the migrant situation here doesn't help that at all. So I'm. Um, I do think that we're in another revolution, just like you say. I think you've really hit it on the head. Well, the idea, we got a dash gang, but the idea, and I know I use this, people say, what the hell is he talking about? The idea that Fox's in Orland, a pizza place in an Irish bar, closes at 9.30 on Saturday night. Best pizza ever. Best pizza ever. They close at 9.30. John, if we went to a sock hop that didn't get over to 11 o'clock, where do we bring our dates when we're 17 for a pitcher of beer, or pit and pitcher of beer, pitcher of Coke and our pizza? You were no. drinking beer at 17? I don't believe it. Root, 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 root beer. You guys all have a 9.30 curfew. Yeah, I mean, it's... Anyway, oh, thank you very much. Good stuff, John, as usual. Uh, Matt, nice job. SP Futures okay. up three now. NASDAQ is up 21. We'll see. We'll see if the market can make it all the way to November. I don't know about that, but it might. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What is your nationality? I'm a drunkard. (laughs) And that makes Rick a citizen of the world. (laughs) Oh my God, that is funny!